know, the CMO is not a silver bullet, um, but but a good CMO will know how to tap that expertise that already exists in the company. So I think I think Sarah was so smart because by doing that, she was able to see who I am and how I approach things. And I think that helped her figure out what flavor of CMO she needed. And thankfully it was me. Welcome to The Get, the Marketing Talent Podcast. This is Erica Seidel, your host. We explore what it takes to get and keep the best marketing leaders in the B2B SaaS world. Joined by Christina Motz, who is the Chief Marketing Officer and Acting Chief Revenue Officer at Moz in Seattle. Um, and we are so happy to have her joining the show. And it's great to have a, a MarTech CMO and CRO, acting CRO uh, with us. Um, so Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. All right. So let's get started. Um, my first question for you is, um, in our previous interactions, I just find you super authentic. And that's my first observation on you. And I wanted to know <laughs> what your secret is, like, and, and how that authenticity has come into play when, when um, you have been making career switches yourself and also when you're hiring. If, if there's a secret there at all, the secret is to just truly be comfortable being you, especially as a marketing leader, because I think in marketing, it's so critical that we connect with our customers and we have empathy. What is a question, and I ask everybody this, what's a question that you want to be asked uh, to demonstrate that you are a great marketing leader? Mm. I think, I, I, you know, a question I'm seldom asked, but, but I would love to be asked is just, what does marketing mean to me? Because I think we jump so so quickly, even even at my level, when I'm interviewing for a C-level position, there are so many questions about, well, the one I got all the time, are you a growth marketer? You know, mm -hmm. And I, I think one of the reasons I actually went through many interviews for to, to secure this position at Moz, and I think one of the reasons that I went through so many additional interviews was because I kept saying no. No, I'm not a growth marketer. I'm a strategic marketer. Oh. I'm a marketer who will deeply understand your customers. I will meet them where they're at, and I'll understand the needs of Moz. And and if our company at this moment needs growth, if that's that's the top priority, then I will organize my team for growth. But that's not always the top priority. And if I were only a growth marketer, I'd be very limited. So you know, so to go back to your question, like, what would I love to be asked? What does it mean to me? Because I think marketing is I think it's misunderstood a mm. lot mm. people conflate marketing with sales yeah still and there's this idea that as a marketer you are just driving for a conversion just get that conversion get somebody to transact and mm. whether that conversion happens online or through your direct sales channel or whatnot and and marketing is about so much more than that and especially today, where the consumer is very sophisticated and they have so much information available, and so their path to purchase is not linear. It's anything but linear, and we've known that for a long time, right? But in that environment where you have a consumer who is often winding their way through trying to figure out a decision and maybe even not realize that they need to make that decision yet, 
a marketer is about understanding them and understanding that windy path and making sure that they provide what is needed in the moment that that consumer is at, whether that consumer is B2B or, or, or an actual consumer, right? And so to ask me as a, as a person, a candidate, what does marketing mean to me? I would have the opportunity to express that it's so much more than the yeah. transaction and developing that relationship with the customer leads to a transaction. The, the transaction to a certain degree is the indirect byproduct mm. of really great marketing. This is your for, first CMO role, but you've been mm -hmm. a VP of marketing before at another uh, smaller company, and you're also head of marketing uh, at, a, at a piece of Amazon. Um, so let, let's talk about that, that VP of marketing role versus CMO role. What, what do you see as the mm -hmm. key similarities and differences? So it depends a lot of the company, right? Because in, at some companies, the VP of marketing is in some ways the de facto CMO, depending on the size and the point of the company's growth, um, how long they've been around, right? Are they an early stage startup? Are they, are they a more mature company? But <clears throat> I'd say in, in theory, the VP of marketing is in charge of marketing. It is their job to understand the company's goals that marketing can achieve organize the team to round those goals and achieve those goals, right? And, and that is typically growth, but it could be other, it could be other things. Mm -hmm. A CMO role to me is so much more. You're an officer of the company. It is your job to help develop the strategy for the company. And in many companies that are very you know, customer driven and marketing led, it's also about driving that strategy. So how do I understand where the company is at? what they need to achieve cross-functionally this year. And as a member of the executive team, as a CMO, it is my job to help achieve that. I'm on the, the cabinet, so to speak, the CEO's cabinet, right? And I, I play a role in running marketing, definitely, but it's also my job to participate actively on that executive team that runs the company. You got this CMO job, as I understand, right after spending some time uh, doing your own marketing consulting uh, mm -hmm. business. People who have done a consulting stint are seen as jacks of all trades. Um, they can be seen as um, as just, you know, their backgrounds can be really hard to parse because what matters in recruiting is kind of what did you do yesterday? And mm -hmm. if what somebody did yesterday was 10 different things across 10 different clients, it's hard to have a, a story that coalesces um, when somebody is looking at a CMO job. And I'm, I'm speaking very generally. And so you're obviously an exception to the rule. What you're doing as a consultant is you're making yourself available to help companies solve problems that are typically seen as blockers to them getting on with what they need to get on with. So it's a short-term problem or it's something they've had for a long term, long time, mm -hmm. but they can't define it. So you go in and help them define the problem and recommend solutions, or they know they have a problem, you go in there and you help them solve the problem. And so when I, you know, in, with even my interviews at Moz, I, I talk to them about the problems that I solved. I do tend to consult in the marketing realm. I mean, it's business management, marketing, consulting. I, you know, you tend to have some things that reach outside of consulting or outside of marketing. But so for perhaps it helps that I, I work a lot of marketing projects when I've consulted. So I'm able to say this company had this problem 
probably similar to some problems that Moz might have had some somewhere along the line. And here's what I did. Here's how I learned about the problem. Here's how I defined the problem. Here's how I came up with solutions involving people at the company. And here's how those solutions are being implemented. I think that's a key thing. CEOs can often have a hard time figuring out what flavor of chief marketing officer they need. So mm -hmm. is there any advice that you have for a CEO on how to navigate that process? In the, in the realm of marketing, I, I think that CEOs who don't have a marketing background don't always realize how both multifunctional marketing is and um, I was going to say multi-strategy, multi-strategic. I don't even know how to say that. You know, how many different strategies marketing can uh, be employed to help mm. drive? And so because marketing is such a really interesting and diverse toolkit, it, it's easy to just to go to growth because it's, you know, CEOs obviously want growth and it's, it's an easy thing to say, oh, just get me more revenue. Yeah. What they might not understand is that a CMO who has a really comprehensive and broad tool set can get that growth in a way that is going to serve the company better in a more holistic way. It's not just about driving demand. It's about, you know, developing the brand, developing thought leadership. It's about working on customer marketing. There's so many other things. And so perhaps it's just the idea of thinking in a more broad way and asking questions that aren't just about what the current need is of the company. Mm -hmm. You know, that question, what does marketing mean to you? I had never, never thought about that. From now on, I'm going to like put that question out there. Maybe I'll even <laughs> ask it when I'm hiring. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you want to be asked that, and you also want to ask the CEO that, and then you probably want to ask the, um, you know, people who are interviewing on your team that as well. Like, I, I would imagine that those, you yeah. know, the answers are going to be instructive across the board. I think so. And I, I also, you know, Sarah um, at Moz, when I was interviewing, she, at the, at the end of the interview, I'd had all these interviews, she asked me to come in and do a project. Mm -hmm. So as part of the interview process, you can call it like a keystone project, like I'm, like I'm in school, right? Mm -hmm. I, I came in and I was allowed to meet with as many people as I wanted. There was about a dozen people made available to me. I was given uh, three days so I could go in, meet with a bunch of people. And the project was to define, it was, I think it was packaging and pricing for Moz mm -hmm. for this one, for the core product. Mm -hmm. in three days, you know, what should be the next step in packaging and pricing? And so I broadened it. So even having three days, I'm like, ah, can't really do packaging and pricing without talking about positioning. So, <laughs> and, and I was told, oh, you could do these in-depth interviews and blah, blah, blah. And instead, I, I chose a different way to approach that project. I, I took all dozen, however many people, I can't remember now, but somewhere around a dozen people, and I said, I want the ball. But instead of doing individual interviews, I want them all in a room. I would like to come in and meet with them for, I think I did two hours. And I did a design thinking project where if you're familiar with Stanford's design thinking methodology, I basically did this brainstorm sticky note exercise. Mm -hmm. And and I asked them, you know, who are your customers? What are your customers' needs? And by doing that, I basically um, used, I, I crowdsourced the positioning, packaging, and pricing. And so then I, I took all of that feedback from these, it was, I don't know, two to three hours doing this sticky note exercise. I went back to my home office. I you know went through it and I analyzed it and I 
pull it apart, put it back together. And I remember the recruiter called me during this time and he's like, are you sure you don't want to do any in-depth interviews with anybody? And so I'm thinking, okay, other candidates must be doing in-depth interviews, right? <laughs> and, and I said, no, no, I'm going to trust this process because but through this process, you are learning about me. This is, this is a way I like to work. Mm-hmm. And so you're learning something about me. And then I went back and when I delivered the results, I, I basically started out by saying, this is not positioning, packaging, and pricing. This is defining the problems that Moz currently has around positioning, packaging, and pricing as told to me by this great collaborative exercise where people built on each other. And we even had remote people participate. And it was wonderful because what happened is it started a conversation. And it, it got everybody in the room. When I came back to present, all those same people were in the room along with Sarah and a board member. I, oh, I think I met with her later, actually. I don't think she was in the room. But it was wonderful because it got them talking. And so what Sarah and the others were able to see is that when I say I'm a problem solver, this is what I mean. I come in and I help I help identify and dig in, and I don't come in with all the answers. That would be ridiculous. You know, the CMO is not a silver bullet, um, but but a good CMO will know how to tap that expertise that already exists in the company. So I think I think Sarah was so smart because by doing that, she was able to see who I am and how I approach things, and I think that helped her figure out what flavor of CMO she needed. And thankfully, it was me. So you are acting CRO now. You own both sales yeah. and marketing, um, not the customer success function, but sales and marketing, as I understand. Um, Correct. So um, what what do you notice um, is different about that marketing and sales partnership now? And what are the unexpected things that you think another CMO would need to know before taking the CRO reins? I think the unexpected things a CMO needs to know. I don't know if they're unexpected, but but I think the probably the one thing that really worked in my favor is that I did have a close relationship with sales. My team even just physically sits near sales, and so we were always, you know, you'd, you'd go over and you'd, you'd chat and whatever, you know, water cooler talk, right? Even when we're remote, we tend to have meetings together and so forth. So at least sales already knew me. And then when I did. Um, start leading that team, I also promoted a sales director to manage the team on an ongoing basis because I recognized that I have never been a sales leader. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to assume the role of coaching individual salespeople because I don't think, first of all, I don't think I could coach them effectively. I don't know their world like, like they do. And also, I don't think they would respect me in that role. But I also stood in front of them and said, I've never been in your shoes. So help me understand. Tell me what your pain is. Know that I will advocate for you, but you need to speak up and not be afraid to, you know, to advocate for yourselves as well. And so, so far it's going really well. Are there any particular tips that you have for a CEO or or even a board member who natively uh, doesn't trust marketing as much as they wish they did? Mm. That happens a lot, actually. I, I don't even think it's just CEOs and board members. I think a lot of folks don't trust marketing, and not for any like evil reason, right? Not for any negative reason, so much as 
marketing has been hard to measure for a long time. And even now, when digital marketing has become so measurable, there are still aspects of it we can't. You know, and, and there's always these arguments, first touch, you know, attribution versus last touch versus multi-touch. You know, what really drove the conversion? And a lot of times the answer is we don't, we don't always distinctly know a single thing because it's not a single thing. Remember that customer journey, it's not linear, right? And so it's hard for a CEO or board member when a marketer, a head of marketing, a CMO can't say, here's the thing I'm going to do. Here are the top three things, and these three things are going to drive growth. I think that um, the skepticism is natural, and I think if you can just accept that and not be hurt by it as a marketer, not feel that that is distrust of you as a professional or as a person, and instead work with the, the CEO and the board member to understand what you're doing. Be very transparent about your successes and your failures and the fact that you will keep testing because that is the way to do good marketing. I think that transparency helps build trust. And that trust helps eventually overcome that skepticism. You might still encounter it from time to time and it's okay. It's a healthy skepticism that's gonna challenge you. What advice do you have for other CMOs who come in and need to organize, um, organize or reorganize? Mm -hmm. I think the best thing you can do is not be afraid of it. Like the first 90 days as a CMO are probably one of the hardest jobs you'll ever have in your life because you are coming in and you are assessing talent at the same time you're assessing the needs of the company. And you, you have to do it. And the only way to assess talent is to sit with them and to attend all their meetings. And yes, they're gonna feel like you're looking over your sh their shoulder because you are and get your hands dirty, get into the marketing automation system, look at how things are set up, understand the nurtures, get into the CMS, get into Salesforce, like all of the systems that are used by marketing, get into them, look at the back end, you know, look at the dirty laundry behind the scenes, um, and then start meeting with the talent and just ask them a ton of questions. It's almost like you're interviewing them for 90 days and you will have your calendar back to back with meetings, you'll be interviewing your team, you'll also be going throughout the company and working cross-functionally to understand the needs of the company, the velocity of the company, what they're trying to achieve, what successes they've had, what failures, where they think their blockers are. It's really like you're coming in as a consultant, you know, for the first 90 days in, in your problem solving. And then after that, I think you develop the organizational structure based on the needs of the company. It's it, part, part of it is based on the objective. You know, are we, are we going for growth? Do, do we need a growth-oriented team um, or so forth? But some of it is also just where the company is at. And, and then I think what you do with the talent is that that's what becomes tricky. You know, after you do that assessment, I think it's respectful to talk to your team and spend time with them as you're developing a new org structure, especially your leads or those people you've assessed who you think should become your leads. Let them be part of the conversation. Uh, develop an org chart that's a draft and literally whiteboard it with your leads and put people in different boxes and say, what about this and what about that? And who's better at this and who's better at that? And then when you come to that final determination of what your org structure should be, and who are best in each box, make sure you talk to those people and they want to be in those boxes, and make sure you're not just plugging people into empty spaces. Like I think this is the most painful thing, is 
when you assess that talent, you have to be willing to make those hard decisions, even when they're great people and they're talented people. If you have people on your team that are not the right people for the right roles that you think are needed to meet the needs of the company, you have to be willing to let them go. Well, we are out of time, but this has been great to hear more about your approach to marketing, your philosophy, and what you've been doing in the CMO role as well as the acting CRO role. Um, I think just lots of great stuff here. So, Christina, thank you so much for joining. Oh, thank you. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate being on. Thanks for joining us today for The Get. Join us next time with another guest. Till then, follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify, or check us out on LinkedIn and Twitter so you don't miss a thing.